uh, who doesn't love summer, especially here in Chicago, but uh, for hockey fans and especially Blackhawks fans, uh, the summers have seemed a uh, bit too long over the last uh, four years, especially the last two in particular. But as we uh, head into late August, summer is winding down and hockey is just around the corner. Welcome into what is scheduled to be our final off-season Blackhawks Crazy podcast as we record on uh, Tuesday of this week, a stormy Tuesday in town. Alongside the Chelsea Brogger for WGNRadio.com and the NHL.com Blackhawks correspondent Scott King, I am your Blackhawks pre- and post-game host on WGN Radio. Chris Bowden, we gave uh, Scott a uh, post-vacation breather on the last podcast, as we heard from the likes of Kane and Taves and Seabrook from the uh, Blackhawks convention. And uh, we're going to hear from a couple of assistant coaches coming up here on this edition. But, uh, Scott, uh, uh, are you like me and uh, just itching to go into a cold rink on a regular basis here sometime soon? I am. I need it. I need it. I've been doing uh, you know a little bit of daddy daycare. At my house, yeah. ready, ready to uh, ready to get out and uh, cover some hockey. It just you know when you're not covering it or watching it on TV, it just it's uh, there's a big void if you're if you're a fan of of what we do. It has at least been a busy off season. It hasn't been devoid of news right. at all. So we're thankful for that. But uh, man, there's a, a bunch of interesting storylines that we're about to cover here in training camp, and we'll touch on some of those. But uh, uh, let's, uh, without further ado, uh, hear from a couple of the assistant coaches and, and start out here because we don't get the opportunity to talk to the assistant coaches on the record unless it's the day they're hired or only at the Blackhawks convention. So with that opportunity, we wanted to share uh, some of the thoughts from a, a couple of the assistants in particular. And I think um, when we look back on this offseason, Scott, the one signing that Blackhawks fans are really pumped about was the one with Robin Leonard that kind of came out of the blue. We were sitting there on July 1st waiting for Stan Bowman to have a conference call, but the longer it went, we kind of figured, all right, something else is up his sleeve here until we get Stan on the phone to talk about some of the other moves that he made earlier in the day. And indeed, it was the signing of of Robin Leonard. And uh, before we hear from Jimmy Waite, uh, I'm really pumped up for this combination. I think Blackhawk fans are as well because you have a, a situation with Corey Crawford over the last couple of years. He goes into a contract year with the one-year deal for Robin Leonard. He is also in a contract year. And if both of these guys happen to stay healthy, you're having two veteran, hungry goaltenders trying to play for their next, what they hope is multi-year contracts too. Yeah, they're going to be very motivated. And speaking of the convention, I implore everyone, if you haven't listened to our podcast from the convention, go back and listen to it. Because I think it was you, Chris, who asked Leonard about finding out when he was traded. And and I asked him if he's had communication with Crawford and they've already exchanged some texts. So some really good stuff from him and and all the, you know, mental health awareness that he continually advocates for. You, You watch him on Twitter. It's He's not just he's not just open to talking about this mm-hmm. th- this stuff. It's really his his mission to um to get more of an understanding, create more dialogues and, with it. And, and you, I'm I'm guaranteeing you're going to see it all year. And he had some recent tweets too about the cost of medication too, yeah. and trying to find answers for that because he's one of the fortunate ones under a plan. But if other people who are, aren't as fortunate with their insurance situations or their employment situations who have to battle with this, uh, he put that out there as well and. 
He also got his Jennings Trophy. Did you see that? Where oh my God, Masterton, the Masterton. It was uh, yeah, it was the Masterton. They had the Rangers instead of the Islanders, and his tweet was hilarious. He said, "You had uh, one job. You had one job. That was great." But no, uh, as you were getting to, just you can expect some some incredibly healthy competition from two very motivated guys in contract years, like you said. And look, uh, Leonard, a Vezina finalist last year, Crawford. Even though he's battled injuries the last two years, he still looked like Corey, Corey Crawford when he was healthy. And uh, you know, uh, it's very tough for him and the team to be in a position where they have to uh, play that hard in the middle of a season because they're down in the hole so much. So it should be a very, very interesting year alone with the uh, goaltending situation. So here is the goaltender's coach, Jimmy Waite, who will be leaned upon heavily if, uh, you know, as they can trying to continue bringing out the best in Robin Leonard with the season that he had last year and Corey Crawford while still trying to uh, create a balance of playing time. And at the convention last month here, you'll hear Jimmy get asked about uh, mapping out uh, minutes and starts, whether Robin's signing was a message to Corey or not. He also kind of compares the styles of the two of them. Uh, but here he begins talking about having now one of the uh, very best one-two goaltending tandems in the entire NHL. Our goal situation's never been so good, you know, like even uh, down to the fifth guy. You know, we have five guys that uh, are really good goalies. Uh, obviously, we have a, a duo with Corey Crawford. With, in my book, he's still in top uh, top goalies in the league, and uh, Robin Leonard is a visitor finalist. So, you know, uh, it's, it's going to be uh, a great year, and uh, it's a big year for us, and uh, that's why we made that move. We, we need to have... Uh, 82 good start from a goal is this year because it's a big year for us. I know when it was first announced, uh, Jeremy said that uh, he left it up to you and Peter to, to talk to Corey about it and let him know what was going on. How, how did he react to that? Really well. Uh, well, I mean, he understood the situation. Obviously, uh, Corey's been uh, hurt the last uh, two years. And, uh, you know, our goalies did well, you know, uh, when he was out. But, uh, you know, uh, I think bringing in the second veteran guy, uh, we had to do that this year to, uh, like I said, it's a very big year for us. And uh, to bring in a guy like Leonard, uh, we feel that uh, we needed that to protect ourselves uh, if something happens. But uh, hopefully uh, everything's going to go smoothly. And, uh, you know, Crows finished the season last year. uh, healthy and they felt really well. They played well, so uh, we'll, uh, we'll hopefully we have uh, uh, no injuries this year. Jimmy, some people said that Stan was sending Corey a message when he brought in the other goalie, but did a message no. really need to be sent here, or is it just you know injuries happen? Yes, there's no message at all. I mean, like you said, injuries happen. He's been unlucky the last two years. Two years ago, Corey got hurt at Christmas. He was the best goalie in the league. In my book, uh, he was playing awesome. And last year, you know, uh, he was coming back. He played well. Uh, maybe he had a little bit down for a couple of weeks, and then he got injured again. But when he came back, it was the same old crow. So his performance has been really good the last two years. So there's no message to him. It's, like I just said, it's just to protect ourselves in case something happens again. Do you have to prepare how you want to use them ahead of time, or do you have to go game to game? Week to week. It's week to week. I mean, we'll see how it goes. You know, uh, we, it's a good problem to have. You know, to have two goalies like that, but uh, they know. Uh, you know, they both know uh, that uh, it's a big year for us, and uh, they'll be ready to go. And hey, it's hard to predict how it's going to go, how many games, and who's going to play. But uh, it's uh, everything's going to settle by itself. By itself. What can you say about Collins' progression, Colin Delia's progression over the last year? 
Well, you see, he took a big step last year. Uh, first of all, he was the uh, he made the All-Star team in the American Hockey League. He was one of the best goalies there. Um, and then he, he was able to come in, and he was awesome that last the first seven, eight, nine games. And then you know he. We uh, we didn't we didn't play the best in front of our goalies last year, so I think he got a bit tougher towards the end. But uh, got him a good contract, and I think it's good for him this year to be able to play another year and uh, get some more experience and uh, make sure that when when you come in for good at, in the NHL that you're ready for it. You've observed Robin from afar for a number of years now, and then you saw what he did last year. What, what, what can you say about his career progression and then how he was able to? with the help of figuring some other things out in his life, yeah. uh, take it to another level last year. Yeah, I never knew uh, Robin uh, personally before, but obviously I know his game and where he's been, and he's uh, always been a, bi- a good, f- a big fan of his. He's a big, he's, he's big goalie, and you know, and I like working with, obviously, with big goalies, and uh, for his game, he doesn't need to uh, to play too, too, so far out of his net because he's so big so it's more about beating plays uh, uh, side to side and uh, you know like he covers so much net that he has to keep it simple but uh, yeah very excited to work with him how would you compare Crawford and their styles and will it change what the defense does a little bit based on which one's in goal yeah. well I'm in the process of really uh, watching uh, some games with uh, of Robin Leonard the last year last year so uh, I'll, I'll get to know his game even better in the next couple of weeks but uh, you know Corey's a guy that uh, he, he's, he's got a simple game you know like and he's he's uh, he reads the game real well, uh, and that's why he's able to beat every passes. And a lot of time, he's there ahead of time, and uh, he reads he reads the, the game real well. He's got great reaction, great uh, hands, you know, uh, real quick. So uh, he's not just a blocker like a lot of goalies are. Like if you don't get hit, it goes in. So Corey's got that ability to to read the shots and uh, really good quick reaction. So uh, and Robin, obviously, uh, he's got good, good reaction as well, but he doesn't have to be uh, as quick as uh, Crow because. Is so big and it takes a lot of space, so just get hit by the puck is good, right? <laughs> Do you think it was important for Corey to, to show that he can be at that level at the end of last season that he, you know, he can get back to that? Yeah, yeah, I thought that his, his uh, last month was important for him. Uh, Playing like he did, yeah. I thought he was the same old crow the last month or so, and uh, going through the summer healthy was very important too. You know, like he's been through some tough times. Uh, you know, spending the whole summer was we weren't sure last year how it was going to happen, and he got hit real hard, obviously. And you know, that was bad luck because any goalie that would have got hit like he did last year, he, he would have been out. I mean, he got hit really hard, so it's a bit of bad luck there. But uh, we feel confident that he's going to be healthy all year and. Uh, He's able to have a great summer of training, and uh, so we, yeah, it's a big year for us, and uh, the goalies will be ready. You heard him say uh, Corey's reaction was a positive one, was a very understanding one, and I think that has to be the hope here. And, you know, saying Corey understands based on what he had gone through over the last couple of years. But again, uh, two very hungry goaltenders, and I'm going to be fascinated. I think the longest Leonard went last season was maybe. A week and a half, two weeks when Thomas Grice got the net for the Islanders. But other than that, um, you know, and he held it for a while too. But other than that, it was a back and forth between those particular goaltenders. And as far as Corey's situation was concerned, every other instance where he's had some, some competition, um, you knew he was the guy when Ray Emery was here, the late Ray Emery was here. Same with Scott Darling and Auntie Ranta. 
Now, I think even though he's probably he probably has some open arms to this situation, or that's at least everything we're hearing. He wasn't at the convention, so we couldn't get his take on things after he was married over the summer. But it's it's going to be an interesting balance that that Jimmy Wade has to find between these two guys. And you know, so far so good. But this is the off season, and it's it's going to be fun to watch how each of them handle each other and what that relationship is going to be. I would expect it to be a good one, but uh, still, you, you got uh, two guys who are going to have to try and prove themselves this year. Yeah, you think they'll be professionals, but there are guys who are very good who both <laughs> want to start every game uh, knowing each of them a little bit. And look, Jimmy was, I wish we could talk to him all year. I mean, mm-hmm. he really kind of spelled out the situation for what it was. Love he's, the accent, too. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was telling you before the show, it's like he's always ready to go through some fine dining uh <laughs> You know, a classy gentleman, Jimmy Wade, a great goaltending coach as well. And uh, can I have the wine list, please? <laughs> <laughs> the top shelf uh, right. only. Um, but no, he spelled it out in, in that it's. Um, it, I thought it was interesting. He said they're going to determine who plays kind of on a week to week basis. You look at the games coming up that week. It's not you know this chunk of the season is going to be proper. That's 16, 17 back to backs. I haven't counted them okay. up, so you, you know you can you can. Basically, put that in yeah, the book for, for one of the guys for sure. And that he he said, look, getting Leonard, you know, it was uh, to protect ourselves if something happens, meaning t- to Crawford health wise. And look, that's a that's a pricey insurance policy, but you are getting an amazing tandem out of that. And another interesting thing that he said was, we're talking about how good this one two punch is going to be, but don't forget, you got Colin Delia. I got a lot more NHL mm-hmm. experience last year. Has looked good. Uh, looked great in Rockford. Talked to him at the convention. Real positive guy. Has been working really hard. And just uh, just down from Delia, Jimmy Waite said he's happy with their goaltending down to the fifth guy. Yeah, in the organization. Yeah, there's really they've really built some depth between Alexi Gravel, who had a great uh, year in juniors last year, and Kevin Lankin. Lankin, and you he got did, yeah. what he did at the Worlds. Now, for all intents and purposes, the defensive core should be better. That's the one thing that critics say of Leonard coming over here. Yeah, he was playing in front of a great defensive system with the Islanders that made a huge leap from their previous season. You can only hope the Blackhawks are able to do the same in the second year under Jeremy Carlton and with the additions of Calvin DeHaan and Ole Mata. It'll be interesting to see if Adam Boquist can push through the envelope as he did in training camp last year and uh, fight for playing time up here or at least a roster spot, be it for through his performance in training camp or through injuries. There is some question whether Calvin Hahn's going to be ready following his shoulder surgery. He seems pretty confident that he will, but I think the original projection that it was that he might miss the first month or six weeks of the season and whether Boquist can then be a better option than Slater Cooper or Carl Dahlstrom. But as far as Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook, who we heard from in the last podcast, they're in their mid-30s now, and you recently caught up with a defenseman who was uh, effective and reliable into his mid-40s right. in the NHL right. uh, before finally retiring at age 48. Tell us a little bit about your uh, chat with Chelly, if you will. Yeah, I got the go-ahead from the big wigs here at WGN to go cover this uh, Frank Thomas charity event. It was a home run derby and uh, for the Guaranteed Raid Foundation. So I got to talk to Frank and have a one-on-one. And you know, I grew up a, a Sox fan, so it was that was really cool. And and, and uh, when I was a kid, he was a guy who was 
who was playing very well. Did you get a, a free eugenic sample from him or no? I did not. Okay. It's in the mail, he said. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but no, he was great. Frank was great. So go back and read that. Um, that that's on WGNRadio.com. My, my interview with Frank Thomas got some video out of it too. But outside of that, I was just kind of watching the Derby there, maybe going to report on you know some guys that, that hit some out in the Derby. And I see a, I see a, a gentleman looks familiar, go up, start taking some cuts. It's Chris Chelios. And hitting some line drives up the middle. I actually got some video of him hitting too. And, and he was kind enough to, to give me an interview kind of on the spot there. And he kind of, um, you know, he kind of talked about the trends in defense that, that he saw and that we saw in the playoffs this year. You, you have big DMN now on, on teams, and they are effective because in, in the regular season, Chelios was saying that teams get away with that kind of run and gun style. But in the, uh, in the playoffs, those big DMN are taking up space and, and clogging the neutral zone and, and are hitting hard. And when you look at the Blues, the team that won it, that was. Very effective. Um, and another interesting thing he said was when he was Keith and Seabrook's age, and like you said, he played beyond that, probably a decade beyond that, right. uh, he was playing well. It's tough to carry that load when you get to, to their age. And, and, you know, him being affiliated with the organization now and being on, honest about that, I thought was really interesting. And, and he liked getting Mata in that trade because you lost Jarmelson, and that's the type of, of mold Mata is. And again, listen to our podcast from the convention. We talked to him about that and, and blocking shots and all kinds of things. And, and he was a really interesting guy on that last podcast. Um, and lastly, I, I kind of talked about this earlier. And Chelios was agreeing that not just Crawford, but it was hard for the entire team last year to get to the spot where they had to play playoff hockey in the middle of the season. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's what they're doing. That really grinds on you because you're not right there at the gate where you're about to step into the playoffs. You're there's a lot of hockey left. So that's why you saw them come close last year, and especially Calton turn things around and sticking to a system and the guys battling hard, but they were, you know, they were really up against a lot early on last year. So that's why it's going to be another uh, another reason. It's going to be such a, an interesting thing to see how they do with the full training camp under Carlton and some fresh bodies. Yep, and uh, it'll be fun to watch. And, and you know, Boquist in particular is the guy uh, you want to see. And you mentioned size, and I mentioned on the last, I think it was the last podcast, um, about the size of the D. You look at the ones that are listed in the Blackhawks website now on the roster, everyone is between six foot and six foot five. You know, Connor Murphy has some size, Seabrook as well. Olimata will do the same. And, um, so coming next year, if not this year with Boquist, you know, Ian Mitchell's probably going to be a part of this defense. Those are a couple of smaller guys who Stan Bowman drafted a few years ago to uh, provide a little bit of, uh, of skill on the back end. So you're going to have a couple of guys who are below the six foot level last year, but now everyone on this, on this defensive unit on the current roster between six foot and six foot five. Um, Speaking of Chris's, as you did with Chelios, and what a great name Chris is. Uh, oh, speaking of, speaking of which, uh, Chris, before I forget, that was a separate blog. That was a Chelsea blogger, our, our Hawks content uh, on WGNRadio.com. So look for so look for that as a separate story. Yeah, they haven't caught it yet. Yep. Yeah. And uh, speaking of, of Chris's, as I said, Chris Cook caught up with uh, uh, Christopher Stieg on Blackhawks.com. And uh, while the intention and, and expectation of some, and you know, it, this was kind of the way it was presented as well, is that for Stieg isn't necessarily going to be a part of the mix. He is brought in more as a mentor in Rockford, Rockford, Rockford. Uh, <laughs> New pronunciation. Yes. You look at the article, and I think he's been pretty consistent with this as well, but particularly in Chris's article about Chris is that 
His intentions are right now, full blast going into this training camp, he wants to fight for a roster spot on this Blackhawks team. And he hasn't played in two years in the NHL, all of 24 games a couple of years ago in Calgary. Been dealing with repeated injury issues since his second stint here with the Blackhawks and his second cup. And uh, has really had difficulty getting on track. But this is, a what, a 32, 33-year-old guy? Yeah. And um, while... The intention is for him to be a mentor type in Rockford, and he will totally buy into that if that's the situation. He's pretty serious about working his way into this mix and into the conversation for what is going to be an extremely competitive situation for making the final two or three forward spots on this roster as you look at it right now. We'll talk about that in a moment and break it down a little bit more closely, but about Versteeg, you can't blame him, and he's feeling pretty good and pretty positive about himself. Uh, you heard a little bit about uh, him at the convention, and, and he presented it that way, that he wants to scratch and claw his way back into the NHL. That's his first priority, and if it just doesn't happen, you know, he'll settle and, and gladly accept that other role in Rockford, too. Yeah, we were texting yesterday about what to talk about on the show, and I didn't know if we would talk about this because I told you I'd seen this story kind of circulating. I didn't really pay attention to it. Yeah, Versteeg's back. That's awesome. He's a huge part of the 2010-2015 Cups, and he's going to play in Rockford now. Great. Like, I I knew that that was the story, uh, character guy, the fans, the team loves, but, you know, I didn't didn't know how feasible it would be for him to get to the NHL level again. And then I read Chris Cook's story, who writes for the Blackhawks now, and he did a great job of capturing Versteeg's passion, his determination. And, you know, in, in what Versteeg says, it sounds like, you know, he really did have a bunch of bad luck. He was still, he had four straight 20-goal seasons when he started to get all the health issues. And he had five major surgeries in six years at that point. So he thinks he's uh, turned a corner since he, he started playing, he was playing in Sweden last year, really focusing on kind of getting on the power play. But he's uh, incredibly determined. He's kind of rehabbed all these injuries, and, and he's feeling really well, he said. So, you know, you could see him bounce back from this stuff. And, and like you said, if he has to just be a mentor of the guys in Rockford, great. I mean, what, what better mm-hmm. resource could you have if you're a young guy in the AHL? So, um, yeah, interesting story. I think, um, I think we'll see what happens at camp. You know, I, I expect him to play with the Hawks at some point next year. Maybe just a couple games. But I, I expect for Stieg to somehow be able to make that happen. And if he is super healthy and playing really well, you know, maybe maybe he can be that, that last guy out of training camp. And there are those Blackhawks fans who would argue, Drew, if, if Versteeg ends up making the team uh, or is called up at some point, is that really good for the organization? Because it means some of these other guys that they that they've acquired uh, don't quite cut the mustard. But th- th- we've touched on this before, and this is going to be the fascinating part about training camp. You look at virtual locks at the at forward uh, on this team, and you can count ten for opening opening night because you have you have Debrinket, you have Strom, Taves, Sod, David Camp. Uh, who still has some options in Rockford, but I th- Jeremy Colleton really, really likes yeah. David Camp. We're just waiting for him to hopefully make a next step offensively. So that's five guys there. You throw in a Kane, a Kajula, um, uh, uh, Zach Smith, who is uh, picked up from Ottawa, Drake Kajula, and Ryan Carpenter. So that's 10 guys you figure are going to be in the opening lineup. So you have two or three other forward spots. So Versteeg's going to be in that mix. Dominic Kubalik. Alex Nylander, Dylan Sakura, Brennan Perlini, if he ever signs, 
Uh, Anton Vadin was another one, uh, a Cahoon type that was signed from Europe in, uh, early in the offseason by Stan Bowman. Uh, Alexi Sorella, who was part of that Calvin DeHaan trade, who had a real big playoff uh, in the AHL last year for the Charlotte Checkers uh, as part of their championship team. Good regular season, too. 54 points in 69 yeah, games. He's knocking on the door, yeah. too. John Quenville uh, might be in that mix. And then let's not forget about Kirby Doc. Too, <laughs> I agree. I, there's a chance. You there know, is. A, you, could, you could argue about how big I, it is. I don't. But I don't see it. I don't see it. Yeah, you know, I, I see probably another year in juniors for seasoning. But if if he puts an exclamation point on his play in training camp, you know why not? Or, or at least at, for the first nine games, you know before before that limit. Yeah. You also have a guy like Matthew Highmore who you know was knocking on the door a couple of years ago. Had a shoulder injury that knocked him out all last season. Who's I, I've seen him over at uh, uh, Fifth Third Arena during the summer, working with some of the other guys as well. So that's ten other guys who are going to be fighting for two or three spots, and it's going to be fun to see how this all shakes down in training camp. Look, I got well. Here's who I think is going to going to make it among the forwards. So you got your guys set in stone. I think I think Kubalik could be a top six guy. I agree. I got him. I think Perlini is going to. Figure things out with Stan, and he'll, he'll he maybe he'll start on a third line. So I got him, and I think I expect Sakura to have a good training camp this year because he had a bad one last year, and he knows that, mm-hmm. and he's got some skill, and he, and he's played with these guys before. Um, so then after that, you know, maybe we get the um, the Versteeg magic we were talking about. Maybe you see that. Um, I think they like it, but you just I, I think those three guys Kubalik, Perlini, Sakura. I think they like Alex Nylander to uh, show show that he is just about ready, and, and even if he's not, he's going to be sent down to Rockford and work with uh, a guy. Probably the main reason or the main voice who was there in that trade with Buffalo and Anders Sorensen right. knows the family well, and if he's not going to make the opening night roster, Sorensen is a guy who can get him on track, hopefully playing the way that the Blackhawks envision him playing. Exactly, too. but I don't see Nylander outshining Kubalik, who can be a goal scorer, an offensive contributor. Same with Sakura, and Perlini, who scored, had, had 14 goals last year, and also a role player, also mm-hmm. plays with an edge. So I don't see him... As of now, until we see what he does in training camp, taking a spot away from those guys. But it'll all be about performance, you yep. would, or so you would think. And it's it's really going to be fun to watch over the couple of weeks of training camp. You know, and, and, and NHL training camps are so condensed into those two weeks. It could probably be even shorter with the, you know, the Blackhawks are going to have to be deciding on their team that they're going to be taking overseas to start the season. I think they're leaving on the 26th or so to head over for that game on the 29th in Berlin. So that's going to be the group that opens the season. So basically you're having from the 14th of September to the 26th, 12 days or so to figure out, you know, to sort things out. So part of that decision-making process uh, and perhaps the uh, most, uh, are now the most experienced uh, member of the coaching staff without question uh, after the 58-year-old Mark Crawford was uh, brought in in the offseason, um, he comes over after being the interim head coach of the Ottawa Senators. I can make the argument as well, aside from I love the, the Robin Leonard signing, the Andrew Shaw trade, him coming in, the Calvin DeHaan move. I think this is also a significant move that was made in the offseason. He began his head coaching career in 1994-95 for the Quebec Nordiques <laughs> at age 33. That was the same age as Jeremy Carlton when he took over behind the bench last November. Mark then uh, managed the franchise's move 
after his first season. That was a, a lockout shortened 48-game season in Quebec. The very next offseason, they moved to Colorado. He managed that with that team, and then the Avalanche, with Troy Murray involved as well, won the Stanley <laughs> Cup in Mark's second season behind the bench. We're not alluding to any, you know, similar type situations playing out here, although we'd love it if the same thing would happen to Jeremy Colleton here. But since this was, as we said, our only chance to catch up with a guy who has 556 victories on his resume, wow. uh, here is Mark Crawford on the Hawks' uh, roster changes in the offseason, how the Hawks' core players handled change under a new head coach last year, at least from a distance and from everything that he's heard. And he begins here, as uh, we discussed with Mark Crawford, how Jeremy handled a really adverse situation uh, his first couple months with the club. I am amazed how well he handled things. Uh, when you come in after a legend, and let's face it, Joel is a legend. Yeah. He will be in the Hall of Fame. Um, and uh, um, for him to come in and have the tumultuous start that he had and to be able to stay calm, to stay the course, to, to really stay with what he believed in, and then to see the shift uh, that happens. Uh, I've been around the game long enough to know that there is more than one way to be successful. And, uh, you know, I think the organization recognized that it was time for a change, and uh, they made the change. Uh, Joel has landed on his feet, as we all knew that uh, he would. Uh, and um, I, I can't be any more. Uh, impressed or uh, happy for the way that Jeremy got uh, got through everything. Uh, it's not an accident. He's a very, very bright uh, man. I think he's going to be a really good coach in this league uh, for a very long time, and hopefully he'll be the next legendary coach of the Hawks. Did you handle it well as well at that age? Um, no. Uh, you know, I was... I had success early in, in my career, um, and uh, I think my instincts were really good as a young uh, coach, and I, I, um, I survived on my instincts. As I've gotten older, I've been a little bit more tactically and and more um, dependent on preparation and uh, uh, just hard work. And if I had done a little bit more of that earlier, uh, I maybe would have. Uh, um, been uh, a little bit more successful, but uh, it's been uh, it's been really good. It's impressive that he's uh, he's reacted the way he does. And the next step is for now on us to have the kind of success that gets you into the playoffs. Um, Zach was brought over from Ottawa uh, okay. a couple of weeks ago, and I'm sure you had a little bit of input on that on what how he could be a piece that fits into this lineup. Yeah, Zach's a great kid, um, you know, and he's. Uh, he, he's a character player, and I think of all the guys that we've added this summer, the, the, the one consistent um, characteristic has been character. You know, uh, the Blackhawks have really looked and said, "Hey, we've got to have a little bit more edge to our game. We've got to have a little bit more completeness to our game." And uh, you know, bringing in, bringing back first guys like Andrew Shaw. Uh, and then bringing in the defensemen that we brought in to give us more depth and bringing in all the character people that we did in, in the forward position. Uh, it, it, 
it, it's important. Uh, character gets you through a lot of tough times. And sometimes guys that do the gritty jobs of finishing checks and blocking shots and, uh, uh, you know, bothering the other team's top players and, and all those sorts of things, they don't get enough recognition. Uh, but... You know, the important thing is that the organization realized that they needed a little more of that, and that's one of the reasons that they went out and they got Zach. Zach, I can't speak highly enough about his character. He's very respected by his teammates. He's very respected throughout the league. And by respect there, I mean I don't think anybody messes with Zach because they know that he's a guy that's going to make you answer back. And those are the types of guys you get into a playoff series and you're man-to-man against them no fun to play against and uh, you want a lot of those types of guys on your team that's when you end up having uh, some success at the most important time of the year and that's that's even evident with what we saw here here this past spring you, you have to be hard to play against i think that's it's that in, in in every sport you know whether it's you know the guys that will slide in hard at second base even though they, they've kind of taken a lot of that out of the game or the people that will break up double plays or pitchers that will pitch inside or uh, you know batters that stand don't get shaken away in basketball it's the toughest in in the paint i mean look at how uh, we all in canada watched the raptors this year and and the, you know they the pride that the basketball players uh, take being in the paint is the same in hockey you know if you if you have success and you can have success at playoff time it's a real feather in your cap and it's something that everybody recognizes and everybody kind of wears it uh, with a badge of uh, of pride uh, over the course of the last uh, 10, 12 years, as an opposing coach, no matter what the role, you probably saw enough of 19 and 88 and a couple yeah. of the other guys who have won cups. But how we, we talk about Jeremy's success and, and you know what promise there is him as a head coach, but how much can you say for those guys hearing one voice for a span of 10 years and even though you go through an eight-game losing streak, yeah. being able to fight through that and finish the way they did. Yeah, you know, and it is, it, it, it doesn't happen uh, anymore. Like, coaches do not last as long as Joel did here. I, I had a great stay in Vancouver. I was there eight years. Now, we had a lockout for a year, so really I was there seven, uh, for, for seven uh, years. But... Um, at the end of the day, when you've been the same voice to the same people, you can always be successful. But sometimes it's nice for everybody to have uh, to have a change. I think Joel's going to be outstanding in Florida this year. His message will probably change a little bit because you're always forced to re-examine yourself when you do change. And I think if you talk to all the players that have been here for their whole careers with Joel, uh, getting used to a new voice is it, it, it's important um, and uh, I think it's it's part of growth um, we all get better with the more information that, that you get and uh, the more voices that they hear the more complete they come you know, different coaches are, are, are going to be people that you like people that you respect people that you hopefully can learn from but you're going to get something. You're going to get some sort of a new perspective, and, and you know the hope is that uh, uh, that the chemistry clicks and, and that you find a way to be successful in the playoffs. As you can tell, Mark Crawford, a very self-deprecating guy at the uh, beginning of of that interview, but uh, fun to listen to as well as Jimmy Waite is. 
wish we could have access to these guys a lot more. Uh, but he led the Nordiques to a 30, 13 and five record in that lockout shortened season. Uh, after taking over for Pierre Paget, uh, the previous season, Quebec went 34, 42, and 8 for just 76 points. So you see the turnaround there under Crawford with Quebec. And, I, you know, Scott, as I mentioned leading into this, like the Leonard signing, like the, the Shaw trade, like the DeHaan acquisition, like that deal as well. But I really like this move when it was made because a voice of experience behind the bench. And uh, it, it sounds like he is he is all in and excited about his working relationship with Jeremy, too. Yeah, he is excited. And you drew that parallel between him and Jeremy both taking over a coaching situation at, at the age of 33. And Crawford said he was impressed with Carlton, the way he stuck to his plan last year, the way it started working and the players uh, listened. And I like what he had to say about Zach Smith, who he obviously coached in Ottawa. He said he's a character player. Um, and this, this I thought was very telling. And, you know, outside of the contributions you get from him offensively, winning faceoffs when he's at center, he said he's a guy that nobody messes with <laughs> because they know he, they know that he'll make you answer back, you know, right. if you, if you mess around with him or, or, uh, you know, do the rough stuff. And uh, that type of player is very valuable in the playoffs, obviously. So, yeah, yeah good to hear was, from Crawford. And that was, uh, yeah, that, that was the theme throughout this entire Blackhawks offseason with some of the, the acquisitions that they did make. Being harder to play against, you know, you see that. And uh, now the question is, can they be six points better, which is the number that they finished out of the playoffs last year? I, I think there's no question they can be six points better. Is six points better enough to make the playoffs this year? And who are they going to leap over? Um, yeah. Because this this division, uh, you have to figure out some teams, if the Blackhawks are going to rise, someone's going to have to fall behind them. And uh, that's going to sort itself out over the next uh Eight months or so once we finally start training camp. As we speak now, as we podcast now, Blackhawks individual game tickets are on sale. They went on sale at noon on Tuesday. So uh, Scott and I were, were, were talking leading up to this, and if we were to each have three games that we can suggest, I, Blackhawks fans don't need our suggestions. You know, They, they know what games they want to go after uh, in an ideal situation if they're still available. There are some hot tickets for certain games out there more than others, certainly. But if we were to suggest our three home games that we would buy tickets for, if we I bet had we the have, opportunity. I bet we have t- each have two of the same three. Well, let's, if let's, not, if not, we have the exact same three. <laughs> let's, let's, find, let's, let's, let's find out. And, and uh, I'm totally bypassing anything out of this the seven-game homestand after they come back from Prague in their opener, getting off to a great start is is going to be crucial. The home opener is against San Jose, and uh, I think setting a tone is going to be awfully important. But um, the three games that I have here, first of all, um, the matinee, the Black Friday matinee against the Colorado Avalanche is one of them. A 3 o'clock start. This has never happened wow. for the Blackhawks before. Uh, you know, have your Thanksgiving dinner, go shop all day and night leading, leading up to a three o'clock puck drop at the United Center against the Colorado Avalanche. And the reason, one of the reasons I say that, not only the uniqueness of it, but it opens a back to back against this Colorado team that a lot of people think, including myself, could win this division based on what they've done over the last couple of years and the additions that they've made. That's the first of four meetings over the span of a month against the Avalanche, setting a tone in that first of four meetings and the first of four back to uh, first of back to backs. 
in late November on Thanksgiving weekend. That has that is one of the games that if if, if I were a, a fan purchasing tickets, I would I would definitely be interested in. And then uh, we have just a couple of days later the first meeting against the defending, defending Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues, December twelfth. You know I, we mentioned the the bunch of games against Colorado in the span of a month there. Remember last season how the Blackhawks played St. Louis four times in the first five five weeks of the season, yeah, and then I, didn't I play them that. didn't play them until the final week of the season. Well, uh, the Blackhawks don't play St. Louis until this game, December second, uh, at the United Center. So this will be the first time the defending champs play the Blackhawks. I'm sure there will be a chip on their shoulder and a little extra motivation for the Hawks in that one. And then I think the slam dunk between the two of us is when Q comes back on January 21st against the Florida Panthers. Uh, we're recording here at uh, shortly after noon on Tuesday when the individual game tickets on sale. I'm wondering whether that game is already sold out when Q it comes back. So be. that's my trifecta. Okay. What do you got? Uh, we have two of the same. I also got, so I did, uh, I did the best one first for Tuesday, January 21st, Q. Mm-hmm. Uh, being uh, fans reuniting with Q, and then Monday, December second, I also have for a crack at the champs, the Blues first first game against the Blues, and uh, my sleeper, your sleeper was uh, Black Friday, right? Mm-hmm. That's a solid, solid sleeper. You went with the ca- ca- calendar and and time there with the, the early start. I like it. I went with, and and you're gonna appreciate this, John and Troy bobbleheads. Sunday, <laughs> October 20th. I, I was giving some thought to that, and then I yeah. forgot all about it. I'm yeah, glad you yeah. remember that. Yeah, Pat and Eddie had their bobblehead day. And, uh, yeah, John and Troy, get theirs. You're going to distract them in, with the bobbleheads in the booth, aren't you? I'm I'm just wondering if I'm gonna, they're going to have room for me in the booth with all the, <laughs> the, all the, all the freebies <laughs> that they're going to have uh, packed in there. So oh, I'm anxious to see what those those are going to look like. Uh, I'm I'm really anxious to see that. So I the, asked uh, – I was doing a bobblehead story for Red Eye when I started, and there was a lot, like, going on that was newsworthy, and I was asking – sharp about it after all like the big newsworthy stuff i asked him about bobbleheads and he was like what and then uh then it was hedger was actually brian hedger used to be here as a reporter for nhl.com before myself and chris cook and charlie Rimo leotis um no but he was interested too and he's like well there's actually there's always one interesting feature on these bobbleheads and sharp's like yeah it's usually my hair you're right <laughs> they really they always like pay attention to one detail the most you can right. always tell what it is so yeah. we'll see if it's i don't know if it's be a microphone i don't know if it's be uh yeah troy's head or john's suits we'll, we'll see be we'll see and I'm, I'm wondering if if uh they are um there's any advising in that whether they have a say in uh in how you they, think they look, show them or it's just gonna be a total surprise and then john troy like no 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 you gotta go back to the drawing board. That's not that's not me. Right. So, and uh, hopefully, no food is involved in the bobbleheads either, um, because uh, yeah, during intermissions, like Scott King, yeah, I was gonna say it would be while for me. I'm working and talking when I get yeah. when I get mine in in uh, in 2030. Yeah. <laughs> and I keep Troy busy during the intermissions, but uh, it will not be an intermission bobblehead for oh, for uh, John, who uh, very deservedly uh, enjoys his his grub between the second uh, and third periods there. A couple other things, uh, you know, about the schedule. One in particular, though, is as you look at games to purchase, when you're looking between mid-January through the end of February, the Blackhawks play 19 games in that stretch and only five are at home. So we talk about crucial stretches of schedule if this team is going to get back into the playoffs. Not only the seven home games, the seven-game homestand, which 
quite frankly, the Blackhawks aren't crazy about. They, they don't like everything bunched up like that, but it's uh, part of what the schedule is, and, and they'll have to deal with that. That will be crucial, and then this stretch from, as we said, mid-January through the end of February, just five of 19 games will be at home, and that is going to be crucial for the Blackhawks playoff hopes. There's a nice little stretch at the very end of the season where the Blackhawks get some home games too. And, um, you know, you, you would think the way the last couple of NHL seasons have gone that it will go down to the wire. Yeah, <laughs> they're, yeah they're literally. On the outside looking in or on the inside looking out. So those are some, uh, some crucial stretches. Um, hockey. You know, we mentioned training camp beginning in a couple of weeks, and but there's also this prospect camp that goes on in Traverse City coming up on September 6th through the 10th. As mentioning earlier, Boquist, you know, he started gaining a little bit of momentum at that prospect camp last year. Other teams, like, uh, I think they're in a division. There's a Gordie Howe division and a Ted Lindsay division. And nice. The Blackhawks have, you know, these are eight eight NHL teams, including the, the Dallas Stars, the Minnesota Wild, the St. Louis Blues, the Red Wings. Um, you all get a sense of how these prospects, you know, uh, compare against each other. And we'll see if Kirby Doc can do the same thing yeah. when he's a part of this prospect camp. It's going to be fun to see the, you know, the, the Kurashevs and Rockford's going to be good this year because oh, yeah. we, we oh, mentioned, yeah. you know, the competition. All the leftovers are going to be going to Rockford, and that should be a real fun team to watch with, uh, you know, Delia and Lankanen and Net too. And, and they were great last year, so they're they're somehow improving upon mm-hmm. that with with getting these young yeah, guys, new personnel. There. They didn't quite make the uh, the playoffs last year. Made made a uh, push at the uh, toward the end and then faded. So even if you're not getting out to Blackhawks games, and you know we mentioned the tickets being on sale, the, the trip to Rockford is going to be well worth it this year too. You would think with all the talent that they have here. We want to thank you for listening. Again, this is our planned final off-season Blackhawks Crazy podcast before training camp opens. We'll get one to you quickly uh, once the guys report, whether it's the training camp festival, those $5 tickets and general admission seating already uh, available for that already. Uh, But we will get one to you. as training camp begins or shortly thereafter. Again, uh, you can follow us on all things Blackhawks. Scott's at, at Scott King Media on Twitter. I'm at, at Bowden Tweets. Um, you also have some other things in the fire. You mentioned the, the Frank Thomas piece, the Chris Chelios piece. And uh, before you start grinding uh, as the Chelsea blogger and uh, NHL.com, some other things, other irons in the fire for you too, yeah. right? A couple entertainment things for Forbes. The thing that will be ready the soonest is whoever is a uh, comedy fan like us but also watches True TVs and Practical Jokers, uh, Hidden Camera Prank Show. In, I'm in New York. I must have find out about you, that. Yes. The best ones are on YouTube. You can check okay. it on YouTube. Very funny. Very fast. I'll send you some stuff. It'll crack you up. But uh, they make people very uncomfortable and it's hilarious. But I interviewed all five of those guys yesterday, actually, and they were they were great. A lot of really good like process behind the scenes type stuff. So that should be ready probably in just a couple days uh, for Forbes.com. All right. And how was vacation? Good. Hilton Head was nice. Thank you. Yeah, I got to see uh, Did my you sister get any Courtney. Golf Golf? No. no. I wouldn't, if I did, it would be miniature golf. <laughs> the only thing I could possibly be good at. Into the clown's mouth. <laughs> the windmill. Uh, yeah, no, it was really nice. I, I was complaining earlier to you that for some reason, that this is my second time there, bad Wi-Fi and no uh, cell service. So What's vacation for? Off the Get gr- away from all that stuff. It's off stuff. the grid like Ryan Hartman when he got traded. <laughs> Get away from all that stuff when you're on vacation. <laughs> you're right, you're right. So uh, we encourage you to uh, subscribe uh, to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast on iTunes. That way it'll pop up 
up right when it's ready. Otherwise, we'll keep you posted uh, when more podcasts come up. Again, we also ask you to uh, join the Blackhawks Crazy Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Blackhawks Crazy. And our thanks to uh, our new producer on board, right. Curtis Koch, who's done a couple of podcasts for us, but uh, he's our guy right now. Joe Romano is so popular and so busy that uh, he has he has, uh, he has so many uh, juggling acts that he has to do and valuable around uh, WGN Radio, but we're glad to have uh, Curtis. Uh, uh, Joe is working on the morning show, does yeah. the Bears podcast as Very well, does a great job man. on that. He'll always and, be an honorary member of the show. And was uh, walking around with a weird little headdress uh, on National Radio a, Day. Uh, what you would call a unicorn headband okay. is and what it would be. He was celebrating National Radio Day, which was Tuesday. I don't know when National Podcast Day is, but uh, and the Blackhawks, we'll kind enough, they are... The, Blackhawks social media team is on top of everything with every day that is celebrated on National Radio Day. Very true. Put out a nice little uh, shot of uh, John and Troy, the two bobblehead guys, and myself in the picture celebrating Ah, National Radio Day. I might have to retweet that. I didn't see that. So thanks to them for doing that. And thanks to you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it, and uh, hope you enjoyed the offseason. Way too long, as we said at the start. Hockey is just around the corner, and we'll come back to you when training camp begins. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you.